Welcome back to the Husker Extra podcast on Husker Extra. I'm your host for the week, Parker Gabriel. Um, we're doing a four-part series on Nebraska's 2022 recruiting class. You can find it only at huskerextra.com, so please consider subscribing as part of we're adding it to the pantheon of podcasts. It, of course, also includes the Sip and Sam Showdown and, and some other uh, podcasts as we go. And today we're going to get deep into the offensive skill uh, collection that Nebraska's added to its 2022 recruiting class. And there's nobody better to get deep into the weeds in recruiting than Mike Schaefer from 24-7 Sports, Husker 24-7. Mike, what's up? How are you? I am. Uh, I'm good. Is this our first podcast together? Uh, we've well, done, I've done the hype cast. I've done the hype cast before. Okay. So yeah. yeah, there is a there is a hype cast. But this this feels like new uncharted territory for us. It is. It's as if we're talking on the radio, except for not. Yeah. Well, that's good. That's good. I like it. I, I enjoy our radio conversations. Now we can bring them to everyone else. It's fantastic. Yeah. So <laughs> that's right. So uh earlier in the week, Evan Bland and I talked sort of overview about the offense in general, but Nebraska did so much work in terms of overhauling its skill positions in particular, um, all three routes, right? High school, junior college, and transfer portal. Uh, we figured it'd be a good idea to spend some extra time. Uh, Schaefer, 12 guys, skill positions, if you count the quarterbacks, nine, if you take out the three quarterbacks they've added. We're going to get into some superlatives and then talk about the class in general. But I guess first things first, just give me what you sort of think about what Nebraska did in terms of adding to its skill position groups. Yeah, you know, I mean, and you you put yourself back in that thought process in November when Scott Frost announces that he's going to move on from the bulk of his offensive staff. And you kind of think, OK, what is this going to look like? Well, then you go through the process, you see. You see Nebraska change assistant coaches, offensive coordinators. They have a new wide receivers coach, a new running back coach, a new quarterback slash offensive coordinator coach. So it's it, it stands to reason that those rooms would look a little bit different. I don't know, Parker, that I was expecting that it would look this much different or right. that Nebraska would take this many wide receivers or running backs. Right. Uh, but they are obviously being aggressive and they're trying to shift – a little bit of, of those specific rooms to kind of fit the people that are now in charge of them. And so, you know, obviously Mickey Joseph was very involved in going out and finding wide receivers that he wanted to coach. Certainly Mark Whipple had say in, in finding those quarterbacks. And as we heard from Scott Frost himself, Brian Applewhite basically brought yeah. A.J. Allen to their attention. And so Nebraska isn't here with A.J. Allen uh, if, if they don't have – Brian Applewhite. So I, I think it, in a lot of ways, it makes sense that when you change out the personnel of, of your coaching staff, you're also going to have some changes. I just don't know that I anticipated it would be this many new faces. And with that comes what could be, you know, an entirely different looking offense at times in 2022, not just from the schematic standpoint, but you could have Casey Thompson in the backfield with AJ Allen and three wide receivers who weren't on Nebraska's roster at all yeah. is his options out there. And then of course you'll have you, you know, the hopes and standbys of, of Travis Vokalek and, and some others, but just a, uh, you know, just like everything else, a lot of change in Lincoln and they obviously they needed to work and they, they did a nice job, as you said, at the onset, blending the high school with the junior college with the transfer portal. And they yeah. you know, really hit on, on every level of those. Okay. So 12 
we're, we'll call them 12 skill position players, including the quarterbacks. Evan and I are probably going to get got deep into the weeds on the quarterbacks. So we'll talk a little bit about them, but I really, you know, when you're talking about three running backs, five wide receivers, and then Chase Androff, like sort of a rare breed, just a high school tight end that they found up in Minnesota. Uh, let me just rip through them quick. The, the transfers at the wide receiver position, Trey Palmer from LSU, Isaiah Garcia Castaneda from New Mexico State, and then the trio of high school guys. And this sort of came together late. We'll talk about that. Um, Victor Jones Jr. has been in the class for a long time. And then Nicoldis Crawford, Mickey Joseph got him out of Shreveport, Louisiana at the early signing date. And then they add uh, Janiron Bonner right on signing day. And then at running back, Emmett Johnson and Anthony Grant are like sort of the old guys in the group. And they've been Huskers for like three weeks. Uh, and then A.J. Allen, a signing day win. So and then Chase Androff is the, the tight end. So, Shafe, let's just run through a couple of sort of superlatives. Um, who do you think is the, the biggest win in this group? Like who, who stands I, out and says, wow, it's great that Nebraska got that guy? I'm going to go maybe opposite of how some people might view this. I, I know that obviously A.J. Allen was a nice get for them late, and Trey Palmer comes from LSU and that has its own accolades. But to beat out Iowa State and Minnesota for Isaiah Garcia-Castaneda, who I think has the ability to be Nebraska's one of their top wide receivers as early as next year, uh, I think says a lot. I mean, you look at two programs with coaches and PJ Fleck and Matt Campbell that have done nice jobs in terms of developing wide receivers in recent years, putting guys in the NFL, putting guys in on, you know, all conference lists in the big 10 and the big 12 respectively. And for Nebraska to go toe to toe with those schools and basically say, okay, look, you know, wide receiver has been really up and down for us, but Mickey Joseph is here now. We've got Mark Whipple. You saw what happened out at Pitt with the wide receivers there. There's an opportunity for you. So I, I really do view Isaiah Garcia Castaneda as somewhat of a surprise when Nebraska got him. And I, I think he's a little unheralded from people when they look at this class on the surface. It's interesting too, right? Like a lot of the way that Nebraska used to operate back in the old days when the transfer portal first came to be 18, 19, even, even last year before the full explosion, there was a lot of emphasis on connections, right? It was, they knew about kind of, I from Cal because uh, Steve Cooper worked at Portland state and coach's brother there and Darian Daniels, his brother was on the team, obviously. And you're, Isaiah Garcia Castaneda is an example of just, finding a guy in the portal who you like, even if you don't have a real connection to him and then just sort of winning a pure recruiting battle for him. Right. Like Trey Palmer, that's a good win. Mickey Joseph's also known him since right. he was 15 years old. Um, there was some sort of connection. Kevin Williams, obviously Omaha North Hunter Anthony. There was a connection there when he first went in, but Garcia Castaneda really was just a straight up. There's a guy we think can be a difference maker in the portal. Let's find a way to get him. Yeah, and and for them to, to be able to do it while also beating out Iowa State and Minnesota have been more successful, um, both at developing wide receivers and, and their program overall, it tells you kind of how they were able to go out and, and recruit him a little bit. And I, I think a lot of props go to Steve Cooper. I, I'm pretty sure he was the one that turned Nebraska on to Isaiah Garcia Castaneda before Mickey Joseph was even the wide receiver coach here. So they were, they were on him early. He had a, a – the other thing I really like about Isaiah – he's put up results at every level. So yeah. he did it as a high school player out in California. He did it again at Saddlebeck 
uh, the community college he was at. And then he had a 500 yard season at New Mexico state in his one year there. And so I understand like it, the, the numbers don't jump off the page, but if you're just assuming that this is a guy in his second year in college, then he's going to be able to continue to develop. I like the idea he's here this spring. I, I really think he's going to be a nice addition for this team. There's a lot made with the wide receivers in general, this group of wide receivers about just the sheer ability to run, right? Like you see the verified track times from Trey Palmer, um, the Janiron Bonner, you know, when you watch it, he runs by people. The Colas Crawford's a big body guy, but he can move a little bit. And then Victor Jones Jr. I think is underrated in that regard too. But Garcia Castaneda will likely challenge anybody in that room in a foot race, right? I mean, he, he and Palmer can, can really move. Yeah, and, and the, the beautiful thing about having both of those guys is that you have the ability to kind of utilize them both in the slot and outside. And so one of the things that Nebraska found last year is that they were able to create some matchups for Samari Toure and, and work him deep with some of those deep posts across the field when Adrian had enough time and, and he could put the ball out there for him. You're going to see that again. And, and Trey Palmer can play closer to the line of scrimmage uh, and do some things as a running back would, or dare I say, a duck R might. Yeah, um, right. Yeah. I, I shouldn't have said it. I regret saying it. Wandell's no, long gone. Really the duck R doesn't exist anymore. The, the duck R is gone forever. But I, I, so then Garcia Castaneda can work further down the field. I mean, both of those guys have the ability to work over the middle. Both of them can work deep. I think Palmer's probably a little bit more shifty. That he's going to, you know, if you're throwing bubble screens and things of that nature, he's got the ability to turn one of those from, you know, a five-year gain into a 15, 25-year gain. Uh, As we've seen around football, just in general, wide receivers don't have to just be 10, 15 yards down the field to be effective anymore. Debo Samuel can be effective wherever he lines up. And that's that's kind of what you're looking for as you you piece this thing together. So when you you already have an Omar Manning and a Xavier Betts and guys like that, Going out and getting the element of speed, I think, really helps that wide receiver room. So, okay, I wouldn't have known this next one. I wouldn't have known necessarily what direction you would have gone before signing day. I might have a better idea now, but who's the biggest surprise out of this the skill group in this class? Uh, Bonner definitely was not – I mean, A.J. Allen I at least had had a, about a month to kind of learn about and, and familiarize myself with. Bonner, I had about 48 hours, so maybe, right. yeah. maybe a little yeah. bit less than that uh, before he, you know, it comes out that he had visited and then was going to go ahead and, and jump in with Nebraska. And so I, I don't I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I know a ton about him. But from talking to, to people down in Georgia and talking to Andrew Ivins, this is a guy that, that didn't play as a junior because of an injury, had a really good senior season, just continues to f- develop physically. And he dominated in his his high school uh, championship game down in Georgia. And for Ivans, Andrew Ivans, one of our our evaluators at 24-7, to basically say he thought that Bonner was one of the best players on the day uh, when you have a bunch of championship teams in a state like Georgia, that says a lot. And there's a reason that LSU and Pitt, um, both where Mark Whipple and and Mickey uh, Joseph came from originally, were interested. And so for me, Bonner is a surprise because I, I didn't know that that one was coming. I, if you removed him and then you look at the rest of it, Anthony Grant kind of yeah. snuck in there um, yep. right around the, you know, everyone's 
just winding down with, with uh, New Year's and getting geared up for the championship game with Georgia and Alabama. And lo and behold, here's Anthony Grant, who just led the, the junior college ranks in rushing. And Nebraska is interested in them. And I know we've talked about this. One of the most interesting final threes that you're going to come yep. across included Nebraska, and he didn't need to see anymore. But if he was going to make other visits, USC really wanted him. USC is yep. short on running backs. They needed depth. They wanted Anthony Grant. And then FAU. And so yeah, if you, Florida Atlantic, yeah. Of course, the natural third yeah. to Nebraska and USC. If you can find me another player, Parker, with a top three of Nebraska, USC, and Florida Atlantic, I will buy you a Pepsi the next time I <laughs> I don't think I can find, I don't, I don't think I can find anything even like it, but yeah. Okay. So let's, let's, uh, it's a good segue into the running back group. The, if you sort of run it back to just before the early signing day in December, Nebraska and um, Ashton Hayes from Reno, Nevada, they go their separate ways about a week before signing day. And this, you know, you always expect a little bit of that when you have as much coaching turnover as you can. And so Ashton Hayes drops out of the class signs with Cal they bring Emmett Johnson in on an official visit right before the early signing day and they, they sign him. He commits on signing day. And you thought, wow, that, that there's a little surprise at the running back position. Little did we know it was just the start yeah. of like what, what has become essentially an in, infusion entirely of new talent into that room. Three new guys, Emmett Johnson, uh, Anthony Grant, who you just mentioned, and then AJ Allen, who we've talked a little bit about too. It strikes me that this is going to be sort of the great spring running back derby of 2022 for Nebraska, even though we should say AJ Allen, Emmett Johnson, not on campus for, for spring semester and spring ball while Anthony Grant is. Yeah. Cause I mean, you're, you're looking at what, how does Ramir Johnson stay out in front of the pack? Can Gabe Irvin give you anything this spring coming yeah. back from that injury? Uh, where is Marquis Step and, and Jacques Yant? Obviously, they had sort of interesting as a word for it, ends of their season and, and where they find themselves. And you have an entirely new running backs coach in, in Brian Applewhite. So uh, everything looks different. And I, I kind of come at it like this. I don't know that Nebraska fully has a picture of what they want at running back quite yet. So I, I kind of looked at it. Like Emmett Johnson is different than A.J. Allen, is different from Anthony Grant, is different from Ramir Johnson and Jock Ant. So I, it almost feels to me, Parker, that they, they've taken a collection of running backs, some guys that are, are stronger in some areas. A guy like Emmett Johnson could be a really good special teams player for you, could be a defensive back if he has to change positions, um, should be able to help out in kick return and punt return, and is an option for you at running a guy like A.J. Allen, I think you're hoping sort of can establish himself and, and move into the mix very early on. And then you you kind of have Ramir Johnson, who doesn't fit as a classic Big Ten running back for every right. down. But he he got so much experience last year. He's gotten physically bigger and stronger kind of as he spent time in this program. And so you, you sort of have this third down running back that could be an every down running back for you. So and then where Anthony Grant slides into the puzzle, is he more like Diedrich Mills uh, based on just kind of the usage rate at, at junior college? And, and he didn't get the ball in his hands a lot through the air. I mean, so there's there's a lot of just sort of interesting pieces and we don't know quite yet what Brian Applewhite wants. 
and how Mark Whipple and Scott Frost want to use the running back position relative to how it was used a year ago. Mike Schaefer, Oscar 24-7, talking recruiting, especially offensive skill, position talent. Couldn't hardly find anybody better to go through this stuff with uh, than Mike. So, okay, I want to get to – we're going to talk a little bit more about sort of what to expect this spring, just sort of what's next here. But we shouldn't leave Chase Androp out of this conversation just because he's the lone tight end and he's just – a normal high school recruit going into a relatively stable room with a holdover coach. He's like clearly the most boring of the offensive skill group, but I don't mean that in a disparaging way at all. In fact, I think shape you had him as a sleeper in your super six, right? Can you just remind us, give us the sort of bio on chase Androff. And then, you know, he just sort of goes into that developmental role, I guess that, that seems to be the exception rather than the rule in this recruiting class. Yeah. I mean, Chase Androff is he's so here's, here's how we can make him somewhat unboring if you will. Okay. All so right. he's six, six, 230 pounds. I think he caught somewhere in the neighborhood of like 10 passes his entire senior year. And that's not because he can't be a receiving threat. It's because Lakeville South is a predominantly rushing team. Yeah. They're like and, single wing, right? They, yeah. yeah. And, and so we've seen this at Nebraska before, in a guy named Jack Stoll, who's now comfortably on an NFL roster with the Philadelphia Eagles, who was usable in the passing game for Nebraska, but was also very valuable for them as someone who can kind of set the edge and, you know, help out with offensive linemen when they need it. And so I I think Chase Androff has value in that regard. If you look at the other tight ends Nebraska brought in last year, Thomas Fedoni, not known as a block first guy. Uh, A.J. Rollins has the body where he could be that, but still known more as a, as a receiving tight end. Same with James Carney. And so you want to balance that out a little bit. And here's the caveat that I think makes Chase Androff even more interesting. There is a chance, and I, I've talked with, with different evaluators, people that have watched him play in Minnesota. Uh, I know the Gophers were, were considering this. There is a chance that Chase Androff gets big enough early on in his career that you could be talking about not necessarily Cam Juergens at center, but a guy that could play tackle or guard for you. And so I, I wouldn't completely write off the idea that Nebraska snuck another offensive lineman in this class. He just happens to have just a T next to his name right now at, at, uh, you know, or I guess tight end uh, and E as well. I I forgot that's uh, that's part of the designation. Just get rid of the E. I did it back. But all he's got, all if he drops the E over his career, then he's a tackle rather than a tight end. So I would, I would certainly keep an eye on him. But if he stays at tight end again, it, it's trying to marry some of what you already have with what you're missing a little bit. And they needed to go get a tight end that can be physical on the on the point of attack. And I think that's what Chase Androff can give you. In addition to, he's not going to be a zero as a receiver. I, I think, you know, from talking to people, they could have used him more in the passing game. That's just not how they played high school football. It's funny. There was, there was a, a, if an interesting exchange, I thought on national signing day, Sean Becton was on the university's uh, sort of live stream over the course of the day back in December. And I think it was Jeremiah Searles offensive lineman himself brought up the idea that he looked like a tackle or he could be a tackle. And Becton said, Oh, I don't like to hear that. That's my guy. You know, I, I want him in my room. And so, uh, it'll be interesting, but you run into the, remember with, with Cam Jurgens, the, the point that they got to with Cam was like, okay, he could stay at tight end, but I think at Frost or maybe it was, uh, Greg Austin at one point said like, he's got to eat like a dancer just to stay at 240. So some of this is they want to keep him at tight end, but just naturally, if it's 
if you've got to, you know, press the brakes really hard to keep him from getting to 280 or whatever, then yeah, then you've got that opportunity. And otherwise, you know, you watch him play basketball. He's a pretty athletic kid. And you figure that, you know, Sean Becton's known as a guy who can help develop the pass catching element. And so he'll be an interesting guy to watch. Yeah. And then you just, if you're Nebraska, you hope he's a guy that you can sort of stash away for two years and see yep. what he looks like as a, as a, you know, sophomore after a redshirt year. Okay. So not all of these guys are on campus, but the, the transfer, all the transfers offensively are. Uh, and then you've got a couple uh, of mid-year guys too, or at least one. Um, well, Richard Torres quarterback, and then also Victor Jones jr. This all, I'm, I'm curious what you think about this shape. I, I, they've got 14 scholarship receivers now, and they've got seven scholarship running backs. Now, understanding that not every single one of those 21 players are going to be in spring ball. I, I just, it seems to me like it's almost as if they said, let's just get as many guys that we think can play as possible and then let the spring shake it out under new coaches. There'll be some attrition that happens, but I guess it's just the competition this spring really shakes it's really got a potential to shake up what the depth chart looked like, even though you've got guys, Omar Manning, Xavier Betts, um, you know, Ramir Johnson, Jacquez Yant to some degree that have returning production, man, it's going to be, it's going to be wide open from, from February 28th to April 9th. Yeah. I mean, I just go back to, to kind of that, that signing day, you know, Mark Whipple spoke, Mickey Joseph spoke, um, and and Donovan Rayola spoke, and one of the things I took away from Mickey Joseph is that he loves these recruits that he brings in, and he loves them so much that the next year he's trying to get someone that he thinks is better than the one that he brought in before because he thrives on competition, and that's what his room thrives on. And so if you just use that as sort of like, oh, well, this kind of makes sense why they went out and they got – you know, they didn't just stop it to Coldest Crawford and Palmer and Isaiah Garcia Castaneda and Victor Jones Jr. They went and found Bonner. They, they went and found another wide receiver to go compete. And yeah, he's not going to be there this spring. But that tells me that a Latrell Neville or a Camonte Grimes or a Will Nixon or a Sean Hardy or even a Lelante Brown. Like these are five guys that, you know, all were on the roster last year, barely ever played. And you just naturally think, okay, you know, some receivers have moved on. There's going to be some opportunity here. Not necessarily. You got to go <laughs> yeah. earn. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, here's Isaiah Garcia Castaneda and Trey Palmer. Here's Trey Palmer that knows everything about what's expected to be a wide receiver under Mickey Joseph. If, if that can't light a fire under Omar Manning and Xavier Betts and Oliver Martin and these guys like, oh, yeah, you you thought just natural progression means you get to be the starting wide receiver in 2022. It doesn't work that way. These guys are here to take jobs. And, and look, I would love, you know, if they wanted to start a web series where it's just us watching the wide receivers compete all spring long, I would sign up for that. I'd pay $4.99 yeah. a month. Yeah. If, if right. they're looking for revenue streams, that's one right there. I would watch that. That'd be a great show. You could just have, you could just be Mickey. You could just have Mickey Joseph in the meeting room. You know, that would be, that'd be worth the uh, price of admission. So this spring for sure. Yeah. I I'm with you. I expect a lot of competition, both of those spots, Uh, you know, running back too. And and we talked about it. Ramir has a, has a clear edge. And I think they like Ramir over there quite a bit, but he's still got to be able to hold off Anthony Grant 
and and whatever surge comes from jockey ant and, and whoever else and so um it it is definitely going to be a, a competition filled off season and look there are some guys that didn't have good xavier betts is a great example last year xavier betts had as bad of an off season as i think you could probably pick for anybody on that team that made it all the way through and he would have told you the same thing and he did when he talked yeah, he to did, him yeah. the he basically said, I didn't wake up until the summer, and by then it was almost too late. And he turned it around, and he was able to give himself more opportunity. But for everybody that clamors to get him on the field, at some point it's on Xavier Betts to take care of his own stuff. Yep. And if he doesn't do that this spring, they're going to move on from him. I, it's I, funny that I love how talented he is, but if yep. you can't rely on him, you're going to find someone you can rely on. There's going to be a there's going to be just this a very natural trust from the fan base in Mickey Joseph and how he handles that room, I think. Right. Like anything that might have been questioned in the past about who's on the field, who's earned what. Like, I just get the sense in talking to people that that all sort of goes out the window. And I don't it doesn't need to be a long conversation about whether there should have just been more sort of implicit trust in how Matt Lubick managed a room or whatever. But it, it does seem like. I mean, Mickey's the new sheriff in town now in that room. And, and it's going to be very interesting. I mean, I don't think you can count out a guy like Alante Brown or Will Nixon or any of those guys. Um, but there's an awful lot of competition in that room. And, and it's not going to be easy. I think that's a, the best thing you can say about it is if you're a wide receiver in Nebraska and if you're a running back in Nebraska, it's not going to be easy to get on the field uh, in 2022. And that's that's probably the way you want it all the time. Well, and, and also you might think of it like this. They had to bring in all these wide receivers because they have five quarterbacks to throw them the ball. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they need a bunch of them. Unless they're yeah. walk-ons. I mean, you got to get these guys the ball somehow. You can't have them just standing off to the side. So you got all these quarterbacks, get their arms loose, get these wide receivers running routes. It's just going to be seven on seven all day out there. There you go. Yeah, and I'm sure we'll get to see a whole bunch of it, right, as they install a new oh, offense. Yeah. I, I, no, we'll be invited no, over, no. given popcorn, all of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Mark, what was that that you were running? Is that C post or I don't think so. Uh, anything else for the good of the cause, Mike? It's been great. Um, I, I just want to say real quickly, I'm excited about Casey Thompson. Um, I, yeah. you know, when we talk about some of the shift in the wide receiver room, some of their limitations over the last couple of years were just limitations and what Adrian couldn't do. I think right. you have a little bit different route trees with a guy like Casey Thompson, uh, who's proven a little bit more the ability to throw over the middle. Uh, I'm excited for that. I'm excited for Chubba Purdy. This is, you know, it's been a fun last six, seven weeks um, just kind of covering this and there's, there's a good energy about it. And I think they go into spring in a year in which everyone knows what's at stake. They go into spring with, with a lot of positivity and momentum. And I don't think that should be discounted. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be fascinating. The quarterback. I mean, we could spend all day talking about that. Um, all right. We're going to wrap it there. Mike Schaefer, Husker 24-7, 24-7 Sports. Uh, thanks for joining me to talk about uh, Nebraska's skill position in the 2022 recruiting class. Remember, this is part of Husker Extra's 2022 recruiting podcast series. You can find it huskerextra.com. Please subs consider subscribing uh, to Husker Extra. You can find Mike's work at uh, husker247.com. Thanks for watching. We'll see you down the way.